welcome to today's family experience, helping families pull together in a world that's pulling families apart. My name is Chuck Higley, and I'm your host today, as well as um, the, the leader of the team here at Project Patch. Some of you have been listening for a long time and are probably pretty familiar with Project Patch, but I just wanted to take a, a minute here, um, just because the context keeps coming up um, relating so many of the things that we're talking to you about um, in these in these podcasts with with Project Patch and our and our mission, and so really quickly, our our mission is is really three things. The heart of what we do is is helping at risk teens find hope again, and what we work with is that there's kids out there that are are at that point of of doing behaviors that are going to destroy their futures. So it could be school related. It's a lot of times substance related relationships. Kids are harming themselves. Um, they're they're destructive in in so many ways with their their homes and their relationships and so parents contact us and it's usually at that time that the kid's not safe at home anymore and that can mean different things but we we work with parents we partner with parents to to try to get their kids back home and safe again and so what that looks like for boys is typically a minimum of six months a lot of times longer um, but working with boys around issues having to do with um, anger depression, poor friend choice, underperforming at school. Um, these are kids that feel highly entitled, uh, but at the same time aren't putting much effort out there. They're, they're good guys, really enjoy the guys, but if they keep doing what they're doing, they're, they're not going to have successful futures. A lot of our boys struggle with things like marijuana, video games, uh, pornography, uh, poor relationship boundaries. Or a lot of our boys are also really socially awkward, really struggling in relationships, um, feeling feeling like no one gets them, no one, no one likes them. And so those are the boys that we help with. And it's, it's a lot of fun working with those guys. Um, it's a residential program. So we're doing everything with them from, um, school counseling, um, work around teaching them life skills, a lot of, um, just contact time and, and helping those boys process. Our girls program is a little bit different, maybe a little bit more psychiatric in, in certain senses because their their needs are, are are slightly different from the boys. Our girls are most of them are, are feeling um, depression, feeling anxious. They're really struggling with um, themselves. Um, their self identity is a, a real big big issue. A lot of them are um, have discovered that sexuality can be very powerful for them. Um, there's also a lot of girls that are coming from trauma history, um, abandonment. Um, both our boys and girls go through grief and loss, but our girls tend to process it different. It's not unusual for our girls to struggle with with self harm, um, but they also struggle with with some of the similar things like our boys is is underperforming at school, um, not seeing a future, and we also see kids with a lot of screen addictions, so social media, video games, um, pornography, those sorts of things. And our girls is a, a year long program, a lot of the same ingredients as our boys program, but it just um, going maybe a little bit deeper because their, their issues are a little bit deeper. And so that's just kind of a, a quick understanding of, of where our heart is, is with teens. And then we also have a family ministry. We believe that our families are strong. It really helps the kids. And so we have our family experience. And then I, I spend a lot of time personally traveling around, um, encouraging, um, churches, kids, um, schools, those sorts of groups on topics related most of them related to technology addiction and raising, um, kids that are ready to to thrive in this challenging world. So that's a little bit of that context. I, I know a lot of you know that. So you're <laughs> saying, Chuck, why are you talking about that? Well, you know, there's people that, that connect to us online through iTunes in different ways that, that might not have, have a kind of a context of where we're coming from. So um, if you want to know more, just go to our website and you'll, you'll find those details. We'd love to serve your kids. Um, we'd love to encourage your families.
You know, last month we we started a, a well, I'd say month last episode we started this this idea on vulnerabilities, how both us as adults as well as our kids have these vulnerabilities that are being exploited, that as they go through their day, whether it's people, our focus is maybe a little bit more on technology just because that's that's kind of the where the questions come from, but our our vulnerabilities are there so that we end up doing things, saying things, um, committing to things, or getting involved with things that we'd never get involved with except for that the, the attack came with, with that vulnerability. And so we talked about loneliness last time. Today I'd like to talk about people-pleasing. And by people-pleasing, I'm, I'm really talking about this um, idea, not that we just want people to be happy around us, but that we need people to be happy with us. Um, some real uniqueness around that. Um, and really, when I look at vulnerabilities, we're going to explore how that puts us at risk. And it also, we're going to talk about certain ways to defend that, certain ways that we can build some protection into our lives, into our kids' lives, so that that vulnerability doesn't become something that that continues to expose them to all sorts of negativity. You know, I would, <laughs> before we dive too deep, I'd like to acknowledge a couple things. Um, first of all, my name is Chuck. I am a, a well, I am a people pleaser that's attempting to recover. It's not an easy thing to, to recover from. And so, you know, just to put it out there is that I, I struggle with this, this issue. Um, it hits home for me. And I justify a lot of my people pleasing. Um, it's just one of those things that I think is easy to justify. I can say I'm being kind. You know, that's why I'm, I'm doing this sort of thing. I'm being socially aware, you know, so I'm, I'm not stepping on toes. I'm not being offensive. I'm being politically wise. And so that's one of those things that it's like, you know, I, I believe that I'm being, I'm being astute rather than, you know, the reality is I'm just trying to keep people happy. Um, there's times that I've thought that I'm being spiritually mature um, by being a people pleaser. And then there's times that it's like I'm being a good son or I'm being a good employer or I'm being a good whatever. And those all sound like good reasons, but at the end of the day, what was driving these weren't good motivation. Um, these were being driven by um, insecurities. These were being driven by fears. These were driven by um, sometimes even power, um, different things, control. They weren't being driven out of a out of a heart of confidence or a heart of of being me. They they were they were coming from the wrong reasons, and you know I I'm a firm believer in in the concept that the Bible talks about it all the time is that that idea of fruit. Um, where's the fruit coming from? And you know it, what I see over and over is that that people pleasing is not one of those things that that is. Um, sustainable and that it doesn't bring life. You know, it's, it's one of those things that eventually cuts us off. And so, you know, just personally, I've struggled with these things. I justified it in lots of ways. I meet a lot of other people that are justifying it. And at the end of the day, there's a lot of people that are, are frustrated with themselves. There's a lot of people that are um, just at that breaking point that they've said yes to too many things. They're at that point of confusion of just how can I keep people happy? You know, how can I keep this, this thing moving forward? And so much energy is done with that. And then there's a huge amount of resentment that piles on top of it. And so with that outcome, I, I, I've been um, working for quite a while to find freedom from that. You know, the, the, and, I, and I found a lot of freedom. And so I'll be sharing that with you. But I just wanted to start off that, that this is a, a raw issue. This is something that I, I struggle with. You know, and then I think a, a couple things is that um, 
you know, as we, as we go through this is that, that not everyone is a people pleaser for the same reasons. It's easy for us to look at our own experience and, and, or see someone's actions and, and come to a quick conclusion. You know, much of my behavior had to do with acceptance and, um, you know, just wanting to feel that acceptance. But at the same time, I, I see a lot of other people, especially the kids in our program, um, that are just trying to cope in a really tough environment. Uh, maltreatment, mistreatment. And so kids that were mistreated that are just doing all they can to to try to avoid the pain. Um, you look at it of a child of a of abusive or erratic parent, the alcoholic parent. And so when you look at Al-Anon and some of those, those great resources for kids that grew up in these homes, um, it's a real struggle because they're just trying to keep dad or mom happy. You know, if they can keep dad or mom happy, maybe they won't hit or maybe they won't scream or, or that sort of thing. So kids are attempting to manage, manage other people's behaviors and they have some success in it, you know, and that's the thing is that as they have success in that, they, they take it into other parts of their life um, and, and cause all sorts of damages. So a lot of the teens that we work with at patch, especially the ones that went through abuse, um, trauma and neglect, uh, the ones that experienced all those those really negative the negative things a lot of times end up you know unsure of themselves and then a lot of them discover this power in, in pleasing people um, this power in, in getting people to like them and so those things those things really play into their life in a negative way you know the final thing is is that just from a, from a parent perspective people pleasing feels so good as a parent you know when our kids are doing it for us is that when our kids are doing exactly what we want them to do, when we ask them to do things, you know, when they're eager to please, it makes us look good and it, it sure is easy. I mean, I'll, I'll just say that. Uh, <laughs> there's these kids, and, and you know who I'm talking about, the ones that we can just give that look and they respond to it. They're so aware of, of how they're affecting other people or so wanting to please um, that a simple look will, you know, cut them to the heart. And so there, you know, that's nice, honestly, that, that so in certain ways it's easy to parent in that yet realizing that that's poison in their life, you know, that there is a, a level of obedience that we need from all our kids. There's a level of, of being able to read other people and there's also a destructive side of it. And so, you know, what, what I say is, is. Well, it's easy to parent that way and it's easy to, to raise that, that kid. And we might not even be that concerned about that child. You know, you, you have two kids, one is cutting on themselves and the other's a, a devoted people pleaser. You get help for that kid that's bleeding, not realizing that that other child needs um, immense help also. And so I, I run into this on a regular basis, especially speaking in churches, is that the people pleasers are the, the ones the churches love. You know, these kids have no problem and the kids are working really hard to show everyone that they have no problems. Uh, but the reality is that they're opening up their life to all sorts of, of poison. And so we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, another story that really hit me, and I've shared it quite a few different contexts, is Dr. Meg Meeker um, has written quite a few books, Strong um, Dads, Strong Daughters, you know, some of those, those books. And in one of the, the books, she tells the story of a dad and daughter. The dad had come to her for help because the daughter's behavior had, had really blown up. I mean, she was having all sorts of problems and, you know, just kind of in summary and telling the stories that he's like, what's wrong, you know, just a, a, a 
I don't know if it was six months ago or four months ago, she was doing everything we asked her to do. She was participating in youth group. She was getting good grades at school. She was doing household responsibilities. She was respectful around us. Everything was going, going great. And now that she's with this boy, um, everything's falling apart. She's um, experimenting with drugs and alcohol. She's not being respectful. She's having um, poor school problems. Um, she's dressing inappropriately. I mean, all these different problems. And he asked, you know, Dr. Meeker, what changed? And what Dr. Meeker responded with is nothing's changed in her except for who her authority is. You know, so nothing's changed in her except for her authority. In the past, dad was the authority. And that was really easy when dad was authority because she was eager to please him. Now boyfriend is the authority and she's eager to please him. And so that's really the risk is that, is that we end up with kids that, that are so eager to please anyone and everyone it feels good when they do it for us, but as soon as they're in a different context with different people, especially people that don't have their best interest in mind, they end up falling, falling for all sorts of, of dangerous things. You know, so if you're curious whether you're a people pleaser, my guess is you already know the answer. Um, but there's a bunch of tests online, um, which are really kind of a good first step of just, you know, kind of getting a feel for yourself, either taking the test or, or with someone that you really trust and, and care for doing the test together. Um, once again, be really careful when you do online screening type things, because if you've ever had a bump or a lump or any kind of weird thing on your body that you're like, is this cancer? And you go to WebMD or any of those sites, it's going to terrify you. So what I will say is that these tests, um, you'll see a bunch of them out there and, and I'll link for one from psychology today. But um, the idea behind the test is that they're just kind of helpful to give you a clue of, of what's going on, but do definitely seek professional help. Um, rather than just um, a simple assessment if, if you're really concerned. And so one of the, the ones that, that psychology today was, was some steps that, that you can do, um, some questions to ask yourself um, that might identify whether, whether you tend to be a, a people pleaser. And, and really, once again, all of us have some elements of this, and some of elements can come from a healthy place. Um, but this really will kind of illustrate, if you say yes to a lot of these things, it really could show that that this is an area that you or your child um, is struggling with. So the first one is, do you pretend to agree with everyone? You know, listening is polite. So if you're talking with someone, especially someone that, that's different perspective than you, listening is polite, but agreeing with them to be liked is a real different thing. And so if you're having a discussion with someone and they're politically, it's a politically charged or religiously charged discussion. Um, you know, you can listen politely, but if you end up, agreeing with them about their political views. And then if you talk about someone else in a different context and you agree with them, you know, that, that really is a challenge, especially if you're doing it to be liked rather than, than personal conviction. Um, second, you feel responsible for how others feel. There is a wisdom in knowing how we affect others, but getting to the point that you own their reactions isn't healthy. And so yeah, that question is, you feel responsible for how others feel. Um, it's interesting to me is that there's times that, that um, we find kids in group that are, are so they struggle with the group. They struggle with others. And so, so when they say something, if they cause something to happen in their group, you know, any of these kind of things, they just feel this, this immense responsibility and, and, that really is an, an interesting thing to watch with kids is, is really to get them to understand that, yeah, you've got an effect on people, um, but at the same time, their reaction is their choice. 
Um, another one is you apologize often and that apology is just such a quick apology. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, and, and sometimes it comes out quite a few times just watching the people as they, they interact. Um, you know, where I found that it come out for me is that, that when I'm playing sports and I'd miss a shot or I'd, or someone I'd make a pass and someone would mishandle it. Um, my words was my bad, my bad, sorry, my bad. And I'd say this sort of stuff and, you know, I thought I was being a good sportsman, but really the, the reality was that I was just, you know, trying to keep people from being, being mad at me and, and realizing that, that I took the blame for a lot of things that, that weren't my fault or, you know, we're not pros. We're just playing basketball. We're, we're a bunch of middle-aged men. Um, it's not that big deal if we, if we miss a shot, you know, even pros miss shot and they take the next shot. Um, but you know, being aware of, of how often you're apologizing. Um, you f another one is you feel burdened by the things you have to do. And so there's just this dread. Life ends up filling with a dread because you've made all sorts of commitments to people. You've said yes to things that you're not that interested in, but you just feel like you have to do it because you're worried about, about what people think of you. And so you're keeping score about how many times you've done something and, and how many times they've done something, and it's just weighted. You're, you're really frustrated. You're frustrated that they asked you. And what's interesting is that, is that you have to do these things. You've committed to doing them. You're afraid of not doing them because if you don't do them, then what are people going to think? Um, but at the same time, you're the one that, that said yes. And so that burden is, is, a, is a constant. So are you doing stuff out of joy or are you doing it out of, out of a burden? You know, another question is, you know, a, a place to evaluate yourself is, is whether you can say no or not. Do you try to say no, but, but outcomes a yes? Are your no's so convoluted that, that you end up <laughs> really saying yes? Um, so really, really important thing to evaluate. Can you say no? Another is, do you feel uncomfortable if someone is angry at you? And so that idea of, of how do you process someone's anger, or in, in certain ways, do you think people are angry at you even if, if they might be angry at something else? Another one is, do you act like the people around you? This is interesting watching kids, especially um, teenagers, are, are really susceptible to this one. Um, you have a group of kids and one kid says something stupid and, and you know that this kid loves that sort of thing. Uh, but next thing you know, they're saying, that's dumb. That's dumb, I hate that. Um, you have a kid that really loves playing on trampolines and all the other kids are like, yeah, that G6 park is stupid. And that kid will just kind of, yeah, I don't like that at all. <laughs> uh, but you know, if they had the chance, they'd, they'd go and play. And so that's the kind of, of thing that you're watching for. Do they act like the people around you? Do you end up, you know, modifying your views for that? Um, do you need praise to feel good? You know, if you do a process, do a piece of art, write something, do something, does it not feel right unless, unless someone notices? Um, another question is, do you avoid great, do you go to great lengths to avoid conflict? You know, do you work really, really hard just to, to keep things from going to that, that level of conflict? And so I could be stuffing emotions that you have, um, doing stuff around, um, we have people that are kind of, um, in certain homes where there's a lot of conflict. They're the ones that just try to make everything right. Um, get things done around the house so that things just kind of calm down. And so, especially if there's two people in the family that, that get into conflict a lot, this is kind of that, that person that, that tries to facilitate calm around the house. And so, you know, what lengths do you go to, to, to avoid conflict? And then, um, you know, the final question is, do you admit when your feelings are hurt? You know, do you have that awareness that, that this really hurts and, and that it doesn't feel good? Um, are you aware of your feelings and, or do you just put on a happy face? 
you know, and, and try to, to keep moving. So these are just questions to ask, but I think they're, they're important questions to ask and they're, they're key things to observe in our kids. You know, how do they deal with conflict? You know, when they're with their friends, do you see them um, emerging as individuals or do they just kind of morph into the, to the group? Um, how are they at picking their hobbies? What sort of art are they drawing? You know, those sorts of things are important. And you notice that question, can they say no? Um, that's a pain for us parents, right? Because if our kids are people pleasing, they're always going to say yes. And, and <laughs> we don't, and, and part of it is we want to say yes to us all the time because that's how, how parenting, you know, works in our minds. Um, but you know, a kid that's, that's healthy emotionally is going to say no sometimes, or they're going to push back. And so those are, those are some key things, you know, and, and it's easy to, you know, especially with some of these tests is, you know, so many people are like, well, isn't everyone a people pleaser? And, you know, maybe that can be true, but all of us can become healthier. Does that make sense? Or all of us can recognize where, where people pleasing takes us toward, toward a negativity. So here's some ways that, that we see it hurting us and our, and our kids saying yes to the wrong things. That's so common for, for, for all the people pleasing is that you end up giving into the, the group pressure or people take advantage of you. And so you, you know, you shouldn't say yes, you know, you, you don't have the time for it, you know, you don't have the interest for it, but, but you end up saying yes. Um, so saying yes to the wrong things. Another is, is disconnect or suppression of feelings is that you've, you get to the point that, that you don't know what your true feelings are, or you don't trust your, your feelings anymore. And so feelings, um, if you're confused about feelings, Mark Shelsky recorded a podcast a while back, uh, The Wisdom of Your Heart. Go back, listen to that, get his book. Lots and lots of value comes from our feelings. Um, people miss out on the true you and your contribution. To me, that's a huge one is that, that we're each unique people. We each have a contribution to make. We have a voice to give. And if you're people pleasing, all you're feeding back is what the group wants to hear, not what they'd benefit from hearing. And your, your role in other people's relationship isn't, isn't as helpful as it could be. Um, anxiety, we see anxiety just increasing dramatically. It's one of those things that we see with, with people pleasing because there's so many things that the people have said yes to. There's so many relationship dynamics. It's anxiety is, is a major problem. And with anxiety really comes, comes so many other, so many other struggles. And people process anxiety different ways, sleeplessness, um, it can get into compulsive behaviors, it can get into coping stuff, lots and lots of things. And then really the psychologically harming, this is interesting to me because um, if you've got one personality with one group of people and another personality with another group, that's a split personality and and that's just never one of those things that, that we're going for psychologically is to, to <laughs> have lots of different personalities. And, and that's easy to kind of laugh about, but you know, the, the, the hardness, the, the difficulty of keeping up on all this is what, what brings that exhaustion, brings that, that frustration. And then, and then that, that sense that kids just don't know where, where baseline is. Um, they don't even know what normal is after a while. And, and so they get into that, that crazy cycle. Um, the other thing that I see is, is especially getting around to tech a little bit is that what I find is that some of the tech or some of the worst things about, um, I'd say the challenges that, that kids and, and parents face is really looking for, for the weaknesses that, that our kids have. They're exploiting those weaknesses. And so let me give you some illustrations is, well, for, for social media, you know, that's an easy place to start. 
Um, but it's hard to know even where to start because social media has so much to do with people pleasing. Um, people put up images that they think people will like. Um, they're very careful. A lot of our kids really curate their their pictures and and um, messages and, and text and all those kind of things. They're very careful about applying filters, making sure that they're doing the right lighting, um, the right types of things so that people will, will respond to it. Um, fake, Facebook uses likes. And so the idea that, that you put something out there and, and people quickly like it, um, nothing's worse for kids than just putting something out there and, and it being crickets, you know, not, nothing coming out from it. And so Facebook is a, is a good example of, of, you know, social media being used just from that people pleasing side is that, is that a lot of it is I'm going to respond to you. Um, Instagram double tap to get a heart out there is, is that you see kids, um, that have packs with groups of people that they're going to like each other's stuff. Um, that they're going to double tap on, on Instagram. And, and so post start that really aren't that interesting or not that clever or anything end up having a ton of uh, followers and people feel great about how many people are following them, liking them, that sort of stuff. When it's, it's not really coming out of a, of a healthy place. It's just coming out of an obligation and people do it because they feel like if they don't do it, then what are people going to think? And, and on and on and on. Um, Snapchat has some really interesting things. A lot of what goes on with, with other social media, plus this idea of streaks. Streaks are these things that you can do on Snapchat. Um, I'm not personally on Snapchat, but talking to a lot of kids that are on is that, you know, it's a back and forth streak of communication that happens over days and days and days. And it becomes this huge pressure, um, to keep up on all these things. Um, because if you don't, then they lose their streak too. And I, it's, it's crazy. Social media uses dings, it uses hearts, it uses all sorts of things to have this feeling that it really triggers in us that, that um, we're liked, we're loved, and it's really easy to get, get bought up into to how to get more of that feeling. And so people, um, you know, keep putting up messages that, that they think people respond to, and, and in a way... Identity formation is, is one of the primary tasks of a, of a teen to do. Who am I is that question. You know, what am I? What am I going to do? Um, looking for the uniqueness in the world. Those are things that for generations, um, young people have done. Good things to do. It's great questions to be asking. But what I am troubled with is that, especially in the social media world, is that, is that kids are outsourcing their identity formation. By outsourcing, it means that they're crowdsourcing it. They're they're putting it out there on a on a social media platform, and they're they're in a way altering their their identity based on what gets rewarded from their circle, um, their their social media circle. And so that that side of it really does does it to me. That's not the way you discover who you are is is by um, asking strangers online or or even your friends. One on one conversations are good with that, but but really putting it out on, on a crowdsourcing platform, you know, to me is not, not a healthy thing. Um, video games are increasingly social, you know, and, and the people pleasing plays into that from um, roles that people play in games, how they play together and in, in especially these multiplayer games, um, how some of the social circles work around ga- video games that that idea is that you stand out if you don't play, um, if you don't like a certain game or if you do like a game, um, there's kids that love these innocent games and, and they really enjoy playing them. But as soon as their friends say those are stupid, they don't want to play anymore, you know? And so they end up 
playing what their friends are playing, even if they might not like the game. And you see those sorts of things um, happen on a regular basis. Um, one of the areas that I'm really concerned about is pornography. And um, the porn phenomenon, it's a study put out um, a while back. Barner Research did it with Covenant Eyes and with Josh McDowell Ministries. And porn phenomenon really looked at, at how and why um, different um, ages of people use pornography. And the stats were interesting because looking at, at girls and their use, and what they found is that, that um, 41% of porn users that are female report that they use it to set a mood with a significant other, um, whereas only 21% of the men res- respond to that. So women tend to use porn in a different way than men um, to set a mood. And another was 34% versus 23. So 34% of women versus 23% of men um, for tips and ideas. Um, for for the sex life, sex life, and so this picture of, of girls using porn as a teaching tool as well as a way to to please um, the guy um, to me is a, a real challenge because one for one that's not an accurate portrayal of sexuality. I mean, it's a very harmful, very um, warped um, sexuality that's that's done on porn, and so girls are are feeling like that's what it takes to to please a guy. And so they're engaging in acts that are painful, violent, um, embarrassing, humiliating, and they they believe that that's that's the that's what's demanded. And so people pleasing pushes that um, in some really negative ways. Another thing is sexting is is one of those things. Sexting is is sending it a provocative. A lot of times it's going to be underwear or naked shot to a, to someone using a, a text, and so that could be on on you know just regular texting it could be another texting type platform um typically it's to someone they know someone that they trust someone that they like a lot of times it's it's boyfriend girlfriend and they're or trying to become boyfriend girlfriend um in that flirty stage um and they estimate the national campaign to prevent teen and unplanned pregnancy estimates that one in five um teens so that's looking at 20 percent have um either sent or received a text um a sexual text like that and that reflects that there's this huge peer pressure around around that, you know, to, to share the images. Um, that they're doing it because they want to please the person they feel like it's necessary to get into that relationship or that that's, that's what's expected. And so for someone that's a people pleaser, hard time saying no when someone asks them for a picture or adds any kind of manipulation around that, they're going to end up saying yes. Um, so... You know that that really troubles me. the The final area that I think is really interesting when it comes to pornography is that, um, for a lot of people pleasers, this pornography becomes this thing that they feel is self care. It's the one outlet or it's the one area in their life that they feel like they're just taking care of themselves, um, and it feels like like their indulgence, their 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 place of of just being themselves. Um, the reality is, is that it's a really dangerous place for them. There's a dissatisfaction with self, there's shame, there's all sorts of things that grow out of it. But it still has that perception that that of secrecy, that they can hide it from people, that this is their one one outlet. Um, and shame drives them, them further into that. So a lot of risks that go with it. Um, and I think you can you can kind of figure that out. And we've talked about these these vulnerabilities, why these places are attacked. And so once again, our goal is to to ultimately get healing in these places you know so if we can get our kids and ourselves healed um recovering in self um 
in, in people pleasing, then we're less vulnerable to those things. So if your daughter is good at saying no, then she's healthier when, when the pressure comes for sexting. I think that that kind of makes sense for us. Um, but in the meantime, a lot of times protections need to be in place because we know that we were wrong in this area. And so how do we, how do we keep ourselves from being attacked there as we're, as we're healing? Um, so a couple things that, that might be helpful in, in both healing as well as, as practice of, of recovery from people pleasing, um, lots and lots of different resources on the internet. You'll find a lot of consensus around, around these things as well as, as a bunch of other interesting things. Number one that I'd say probably is, is saying no is a good thing. Learning how to say no, a confident no, a no that doesn't go on with a lot of explanation. I think that's where, <laughs> where, you know, I've personally struggled before as I say no, but then I, I back out of it, you know, just because it, it feels hard. And so practice saying no, practice not even explaining why, why, why it's a no. To say, no, yeah, I'm not able to do that right now, or I'm sorry, I'm not able to commit to that right now. Those sorts of no's are, are really helpful, and I think getting comfortable with that. Um, another one is is if you are really uncomfortable and, and you don't feel like you have the, the fortitude at that moment to say no, is just saying, you know, can you send me the details in a text or email so I can make an informed choice? So I can check my calendar, so I can make sure that if I commit, I'm going to be able to, to fulfill those things. And so there's times that being away from the situation, um, especially if you're intimidated, it could help with, with just getting in and saying, you know, I'm sorry, I looked at my schedule or I looked at my things, you know, I looked at my other commitments and, and I'm unable to say, say yes at this point. Thanks for asking me. You know, those sorts of things are, are ways to, to learn how to say no. But no, no is a fantastic, fantastic thing to learn. Um, we hate it when our two-year-olds say it, but it's great, actually, um, when our 16-year-olds learn how to say it. Um, I know that seems counterintuitive, but it's it's a good thing. Um, another thing is just developing the the actual self worth is is really important. Self worth is one of the things that leads to that, and self worth to me is not one of those rah 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 you can do it. Self worth comes through um, really three areas: um, inspiration, motivation, and action. You know, getting this cycle moving in your life. Um, action means that you're doing stuff. You're doing stuff makes you feel good. As you do stuff, you get ideas, you're inspired to do more things. Um, action leads to this idea that you can accomplish things. So you're inspired, you're motivated, you keep moving, you start an action, action cycle in your life. And here's the problem with, with people pleasing is that when you're saying yes to other people's things and never saying no to your things, it's hard to get that cycle going for self-worth. Um, you're maybe doing stuff that you're not skilled at, or maybe things that you just aren't, aren't, they don't feed your soul. And so, you know, the, the process of, of saying no, and then starting to say yes to things that are, are really meaningful to you is, is really important. You know, another one is develop the skills and confidence in conflict. Conflict skills are, are, you know, to me, one of the most important things for, for all of us to learn. Um, first step in, in conflict is just being able to calm and, and stay thinking at that point instead of having that reactive brain, how to get to our responding brain. You know, another thing is how to communicate our, our thoughts, our feelings, and our decisions in a way that's respectful but clear is, is really important. And then, you know, that process of holding to our boundaries. We teach quite a few skills in our youth program on, on four kids in, in this process of conflict and the conflict skills are a key part of our family experience weekends. It's, it's just really, really helpful. 
And then the final thing is, is that we, we talked about, um, there's an element of, of where, where people are coming from because of mistreatment, because of early childhood neglect, abuse, those sorts of things. And so what I would say is that get help for those things, find a counselor. Um, if you need help with that, you know, contact me, Chuck at projectpatch.org. I'll, I'll send you some resources. Um, finding a counselor can be a challenge, but, but do it. Um, get, get the help you need to, to process some of those, those things that you went through, whether it's in a relationship currently or something in the past, um, because getting that, getting to that point that, that you can process, process that emotion as well as process that actions that happen as well as, as, you know, experience it from a, from a new perspective is really, really helpful. Um, some things from the Bible that I think is interesting that, that, um, Love to, to hear your thoughts on it. Galatians 1.10 says, For I am now seeking the approval of man. No, excuse me. For am I now seeking the approval of man or God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. You know, really, a, the direct speaking there is, is that idea that, that if we're just trying to please other people, we, we're off task. We're not, we're not being what, what God wanted us to be. And, you know, just because we read that doesn't mean it's easy to, to change. I'm going to go through some other verses that, that help. Matthew 6 is really that, that Jesus's word saying, you know, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give the needy sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they receive their reward, but then... But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be done in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And then you may pray and you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. You know, and it goes on in that section, but I think you get the feel for it is that um, once again, people pleasing I don't believe is ever rewarding, you know, and, and you might get a short-term reward from people, but, but you really miss out on, on, I think the God's reward to me is, is coming from you're just not living where, where God wants you to be. You're, you're not on, <laughs> you're not on script or on task or, or really in that, in that area of blessing because you're, you're in the wrong place. And so whether you're giving, you know, to me, the, the acts of good things done in secret are, are a really good principle to do, you know, so, um, kindness done without, without even giving a chance for people to, to acknowledge it is, is a really, really fantastic practice to put into our lives. Um, John 12, 43 says, for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. You know, and there's times that we have hard things to do, hard things to say, and it might put us out of touch of, of, you know, other people's compliments and all that stuff, but, but it's still the right thing to do. Um, we spend expensive, ex expensive, <laughs> hopefully it's not that expensive, but we use extensive, um, time during our family weekend, going through personality profiles, looking at, at uniqueness, um, love that time together. Psalm 139 is one of the verses that we study. It says, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made and your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And we talk about David and, and how that, 
that comes out. It's something that, that you'll have to come in and hear all the details of. Um, but the push behind that is, is that David got it. You know, he got that maybe he wasn't like who he thought, um, you know, the kingly like Saul, or maybe he wasn't, he wasn't like, um, even Jonathan, his friend, but he was David and, and, and it was an important thing for him to be himself. And God wanted that heart of David's. And so for all of us, it's really that idea that we were knit, we were made with a purpose for us working with kids is that we really press that idea is if they're not them, then who's going to be, you know, God intended for them to be themselves. There's a purpose for them to be themselves. And so those are, are real important principles. You know, so a couple things that, that we think is really helpful for people that are struggling with, with any vulnerability, um, but especially with, with people pleasing is that you do need to be with people. Um, you need to be in some sort of group of people that has some accountability around this, really asking someone that, Hey, I've been really struggling with saying yes to too many things and I need to start focusing on the right things. So finding a group of people, maybe one or two people that you can have a, have a commitment to that helps you, um, avoid things that you shouldn't get involved with as well as helps you move in the direction of things that you need to be involved with, um, sleep. Once again, you're going to see sleep for all these things. Get a lot of sleep. Get good sleep. Make sure your kids are sleeping. Um, exercise is a really useful thing. That self-care um, coming from a good place is, is really helpful. Um, journaling is a, a really good thing, um, especially for processing feelings, writing stuff down. A book that I recommend, um, especially for those that are, are involved with people-pleasing, maybe coming from not the, the treatment side, but more of that, that self-side is this book from Janice Webb called Running on Empty. Um, Running on Empty. It's not a, a difficult book to read other than the topic is hard and you're going to do some processing with it, but really well-written book by Janice Webb. And so there's a link in the show notes for that. And I'd love to hear from you on, on ways that you've been helped in reducing your people-pleasing, your ways that you've been able to help your child. Um, this is a, as a really tough area. Um, you know, there are other resources that, that, you know, as I think of them, I'll put them in the, sh in the show notes that are, are really helpful. Um, as we talk about other vulnerabilities in the future, you're going to start seeing some connections that, that some of the same tools help for, for a lot of things. And so look at our show notes. We'll get those things to you. Um, so it's been great having you. I really appreciate your time um, and talking about these, these topics. Um, I'll be teaching some upcoming family experience weekends, May 17th through 20, which is just, um, you know, about a, a month away, I think, from when we release this, um, maybe even a little less than that, we'll be um, having a family experience weekend in Golden Gate, Washington. There's still a couple spots open, um, but those um, you need to get get in on that quickly. Um, July 12th through 15 is another family experience, as well as August 16th through 19. And I share this because we do a lot of stuff with personality. We do stuff with conflict. We do stuff around family values. I'm talking about things that's important, and it really speaks to these vulnerabilities. So. Love to hear from you. You can give us a, a, a phone call if you're interested in any of our programs. Our number is 360-690-8495, or you can email me at chuck at projectpatch.org. Now go out there, connect with your family. We can help at Project Patch and GA's family experience. 